that we pray. Amen. And now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised together in praise to the glory of God.
We are busy people. We have problems to solve, appointments to keep, tasks to complete. We are rushed, stressed, and exhausted. In our busyness, we get so caught up in the demands of the here and now that we forget to seek the one who promised us rest for, for our weary souls if we would only come to him. So let us now confess our sin and neglect before God who is waiting to receive us with open arms. We confess, holy God, that all too often we ignore the spiritual aspects of our human existence. We are consumed by tangibles and we often ignore the intangibles. The material world closes in on us and tries to convince us that there is nothing more. Only in crisis situations do we try to reach out for the divine. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Expand our horizons, sensitize us, invigorate us, help us to perceive the great reality that is beyond the scope of our physical senses. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, God hears our prayers. He loves and values us. He forgives what is past and calls us to new life as disciples of his son, Jesus Christ. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. And now with believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors.
Let me just add my word of welcome and say good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. Great to see you here today. If you're seated on the aisle side of the pew, if you would take one of those red friendship pads that is there and sign your name to it, pass it on down the pew. Take note of the names of the folks who are seated nearby you, especially if you're a guest this morning. We would love to know that you are here in worship with us and how we might minister to and or with you. We value our connection as a family of faith here at Church of the Palms and are glad that you are here today, whether you're a guest or have been a member here for decades. would encourage you to uh, read through the announcements that are printed on the back pages in the bulletin. I wanted to highlight just a few of those. And, and as I do, I just wanted to add a, a special word of welcome to the Sarasota Young Voices who are back with us this morning. So thank you very much for being here and sharing your gift of music with us today. And uh, there are a, a number of exciting things coming up in our life here at Church of the Palms. And to highlight just a few of those, as you may have seen uh, in the announcements a, a couple of weeks ago, we are in the process of preparing to send mission teams back to Honduras in, the, in February of 2014. And as a way to kind of uh, raise the profile on that, we'll be having a Honduras-themed dinner this Wednesday evening over in the Campus Center. We'll be showing some pictures and maybe sharing some stories about that uh, ministry partnership that we have in Honduras. would invite you to come and be a part of that evening. This coming Saturday, our Early Childhood Center, the ECC, is having their annual carnival on the back 40 there. There'll be games and bounce houses and food and a DJ and all kinds of activities. Uh, if you or someone you know is a young family and would like to participate in this free event, it would be wonderful to, uh, to come out this coming Saturday. Morning details are in the announcement. And uh, each week we make announcements about something that's relatively new here called Life Cheery Cafe. It goes on kind of during the Sunday school time over in the campus center, and it's a, a conversation cafe. And so that you might know a little bit more about it, we wanted to show you what the uh, topic will be that we're discussing in Life Tree Cafe today. Let's watch this trailer together. It was impossible. The only thing I could tell you about the guitar is my dad had one. <laughs> it was there at home, um, and he did not mind. After I bugged him for years, he finally said yes. Uh, it wasn't music that day, but when I really, when it really turned to music was 16. He did it anyway. I would say the big moment where people all of a sudden knew who Tony Melendez was, when I played for Pope John Paul II, and uh, it was a big media moment. He jumps off a stage, comes kiss me, uh, changed my whole musical career in trouble. Today, we're looking at make the most of your life. And each Sunday morning, we discuss a topic like that. And so we'd invite you to come and be a part of the conversation in Life Tree Cafe. Uh, finally, looking ahead to 
uh, November the 1st. There will be an All Saints Day festival here. It's a Friday evening from 5.30 to 7.30. I encourage you to read the details about that. Food Pantry Breakfast is coming up for our volunteers in the Food Pantry. We get to discuss that ministry, what's going on, what's changing, how can uh, you be further involved in that. That's coming up on Friday, uh, November the 8th. And we also have a new member class coming up in just a few Sundays. So check the announcement on that in the bulletin as well. Those are the announcements that I wanted to highlight for us. So now let us continue to worship God. That will be a happy day, won't it? Let's join our hearts in prayer. O God of providence, not only have you created all things, but you sustain, maintain, and set the course for the work of your hands. We thank you for your Son, the radiance of your glory, and the representation of your being in him 
sustaining everything by his powerful word. We thank you for interacting with your creation, even though sometimes we disappoint you. But with those who are in your new creation, we pray for continued building of our lives. We want to be found righteous in Christ and through him enter his presence with boldness. But Lord, when we look at our lives, we often confess that all is not well. Every one of us has qualities, habits, it was sins, or weaknesses that we would love to get rid of, but they seem to hang on. We want to change, but it is often very hard. We know that when Jesus returns, we will be like him, and our inclination towards sin will be a thing of the past. But right now, you want us to die to ourselves to partake in the sufferings of Christ so that we might live the resurrection lifestyle now. Help us to nurture our walk with you, confident that you are working in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Help us, Lord, to remember that we all need you. Me, my friends, neighbors, co-workers, all of us need you. Sometimes in the church family, it's hard for us to be in the perfect fellowship that the apostle commands. We get hurt. We feel our opinion doesn't account. We, can we cannot understand how people can see things differently than we do. But rather than be frustrated, help us to look not only on what is important to us, but also what is important to others. Help us first not to ask what we want, but to ask instead what is in the best interest of our church and its people. Help us to find our self-worth by growing in you, not by demanding our own way. We thank you for the extent of our church's ministry, the loving support and fellowship of our missionaries and evangelists, we especially thank you for the Honduras emphasis, which we have placed so much faith in your work being done. Multiply our efforts, we pray, to bring the gospel to these people, and may your spirit draw them to yourself. We do bring you all our needs here, Father, the small troubles we have, the mighty burdens that weigh us down, those with physical problems, those who have passed away, such as Willa Patrick and her remaining nephew. These are difficult times as they may not be able to do things in the past because of their physical limitations. So we lay those who are bereft of real health at your feet, marveling that you will help bear our burdens. We pray that you change situations where appropriate. Help us to accept situations that you are unwilling to change. Help us to trust your wisdom and love. Minister each of our families here and elsewhere in our church as they need you. Now as we approach Stewardship Sunday, help us to learn to give generously, whether in abundance or difficult times financially we would ask that you would supply the needs by helping us to find ways to give in a way that will strongly pass the baton on as we have learned. We pray in the service today, we'll continue to focus on you, your goodness, 
and your blessings. We pray for our Pastor Steve. Enable him to effectively give the message. I'm sorry, Pastor Bruce. And enable him to give the message that you've inspired him to preach. May your anointing be on him and may we hear your word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we call for the offering and ask our ushers to come forward.
generous to us, Lord. Now, as we give back to you, may that reflect in our hearts the generosity that we feel toward your love. Enable these gifts to be used in the way you wish them to as the kingdom of the wonderful Savior goes on in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And now we're going to ask the children to come forward. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Wait. Wait. Oh, there's a couple of big kids. Hi, guys. Thanks. Good morning. Thank you, Olivia, for coming down. That's so great when fifth graders will make their way down. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is awesome. So I understand that last week I wasn't here. Is that right? Did someone, did someone fill in for me? Who did? Oh, thank goodness, Miss Moira did. So I hear, actually, I got to watch it on my computer on the streaming because I was studying in Minnesota and my class didn't start until 10. So I saw a bunch of you guys sitting up here last week, and she talked about honoring God with our time. Can anyone remember things that you could do to honor God with your time? Hmm, Amy, what do you think? Mm, doing chores when you're not asked. Oh my goodness, that's awesome. That wasn't even last week, doing chores when you asked. Or how about reading your Bible, or praying, or doing family devotions, or maybe some things out in the community. I saw some kids wearing boxes for like the... Um, homeless sleepover and wearing cat ears to go to Cat Depot next Saturday, right? So those kinds of things are how we honor God with our time. Well, today we're going to talk about how we honor God with our talents. Everybody has talents. Everybody has gifts. And this is, I want to talk about two guys that maybe you guys will know who they are. The first guy plays, I think, second base and outfield for the Tampa Bay Rays, was chosen on the all-star team, came right here to talk to us. Christian, thank you. Come here. Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist. Excellent. Another guy put on his grandma's slippers and walked on a tightrope across the Grand Canyon. Do you know who that was? Nick Walinda. Nick Walinda. These guys have amazing talent. Well, guess what? You guys have talent too, and the way that we honor God with our talent is by three things. The first thing, remember that our talent and our gifts comes from God, so we have to thank God. And I believe that when Ben Zobrist was here, he absolutely talked about how he was thankful to God for his gifts, and he wasn't afraid to show his other players that thanksgiving. Second thing, when Nick Walenda realized that he could walk pretty well in a straight line. Do you think the next day he decided to walk across the Grand Canyon? What do you think he had to do? What do you think he had to do? And he had to do, I think, a lot of it. Practice. Practice, practice, practice. If you have a talent and you want to honor God with it, you need to practice it. All right, third thing, and this might be the most important thing. If you want to honor God with your talent, you should always use it in relationship to other people. Okay, I'm gonna show you how that works. Does anyone have a talent? Any talent at all? I know you have a talent. Would you like to share it? Dance. Dance, what kind of dance? Irish dance. Irish dance. So you know how Olivia could honor God with her Irish dance? Maybe sometime she could come up in a worship service and do a song that is honoring to God for us here. That's one way. Anyone else have a talent? You got a talent? 
Sports. Sports. Oh my gosh, that's a great one. If you have a talent in sports, like it's baseball or soccer, you know how you could honor God? By being a good sport to your teammates, to the people that you are playing against. One more. Anyone else have a talent? I don't believe you. Do you have a talent? What is swimming. it? Swimming. Swimming. Excellent. I saw some kids over there that were swimming all day yesterday, and that is similar, that when you are swimming, you absolutely can honor God with your words and your actions at, your, at the meets that you are at. If you like, oh, Addie. Ballet. Ballet. Oh, Addie, that is so great. Similar kind of thing that you could honor God by doing ballet for us sometime to a great song that praises God. Be so awesome. If you like to do art, think of some of the things we've done. Like we could make cards and give them to Pastor Mingy and Pastor Allen and the other volunteers that volunteer and go to the hospital. We could do that to honor God. So lots and lots of ways. Remember, here's the, the three things. Give thanks to God for it. Practice it and use it in relationship with other people. And here's the best part. We don't even know how God's gonna use us with our talents. Look at those beautiful young women that sang for us today. Look how he used them. And do you think they knew when they were little that that was a talent that God was gonna use for them? Pretty cool, huh? All right, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all the gifts and all the talent that you give to each one of us. We just pray that you help us to always use those gifts and talents to honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, guys. Good morning. Seems every time I speak to you, I have to follow children. It's hard. <laughs> My name is Andrea Jackson. Um, many of you know that I serve as an elder here in the church, and I'm presently the chairman of the Administration and Finance Committee. I also have the honor and privilege of having lots of other roles and responsibilities, not only here at church, but at work and at home. Like each of you, there are days when I am overwhelmed with tasks and to-do lists, challenges and problems. There are times when things seem uncertain and without hope. I wanted to share with you the one thing that always seems to get me through, listening to Christian music. This is how I personally best communicate with God and how I believe he touches my broken heart and shows me his divine love. I listen to Christian music in the car, when I exercise, when I'm sitting in my office and need respite from outside forces. Music quiets me. It makes me smile. It moves me to tears. It causes reflection, and it opens my heart to all the possibilities that Jesus has in store for me. Last week, we saw a wonderful video about our church life and all the ways we were able to make a difference. After that video, we sang a beautiful hymn, Take My Life. I went online and I discovered that this hymn was written by a woman named Frances Ridley Havergal in 1873. She lived a relatively short life, only 46 years, but published four books and composed more than 80 hymns. She wrote this hymn 
after spending a few days visiting a home where 10 unconverted, uncommitted non-Christians lived. Before her stay ended, all 10 had completely committed their lives to Christ, and it was that last night, her heart filled with the passion of the Lord, that she wrote the lyrics to Take My Life. This hymn touched my heart last Sunday, as it does each time I hear it, and it makes me yearn to find more ways that God can use my gifts and talents for his purpose. Last Sunday, it made me want to help pass the baton here at Church of the Palms, not only with my time and talents, but with my treasures. We are blessed here at Church of the Palms. We are doing well financially, and if everyone continues to meet their pledged promises for 2013, we are on track to finish this year within our budget. It'll be close, but I'm confident we can accomplish our goal. Thank you for fulfilling your commitments. We are now fully staffed and continue to serve so many in need, both here and abroad. But in order for us to continue to grow our church family, minister to those in need, and reach the disconnected, we need to continue to remain financially strong. This year, we are asking for an average increase in pledge dollars of 5%. Obviously, that isn't an average. Some may be able to do more, others less. Please search your hearts and do what you are able. I know we are in the middle of a lot of uncertainty, but I am certain of one thing, that spreading the divine love of God is something we should not be indifferent to. We need to be engaged and intentional in our actions and our gifts. This is how we can best glorify God and successfully pass the baton to future generations. As the hymn says, take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as thou shalt choose. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. Take my heart, it is thine own, it shall be thy royal throne. Thank you.
Please be seated. Our scripture reading for this morning, as we continue our sermon series in the Beatitudes, this morning our focus is on um, Matthew 5, 9, in which Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And to help us understand at least part of what Jesus was talking about, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, the second chapter. We'll read verses 11 to 22. I invite you to follow along in your Bible or one of the pew Bibles in the rack in front of you. But before we read God's Word, let us pray together. Gracious God, we believe your word is a lamp unto our feet, it is a light unto our path. And so as we open the scriptures this morning, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit in this place, shine forth your truth from the words you have preserved on these pages of scripture. We ask it in Jesus' name, who is the living word. Amen. Paul writes, So then, Remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcision by those who are called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. So he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near, for through him both of us have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. I was wondering how many of us here might have traveled to an exotic place where they speak, the people speak another language, you know, like Paris or Bangkok or Miami, for example. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you didn't speak the language of the people in that place, 
How did you, how did you feel when you were there? You felt a little, you probably felt a little, a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, like there was a, there was a barrier between you and the, the host people that you were visiting. That, that language difference can create a, a divide between us. And um, there's a, a guy that I know in another church, and and he thinks he's got it figured out how to uh, overcome this divide when you're in a, a, a place that's Spanish speaking. I got to travel with this guy uh, on mission trips for over a decade. And I was amazed by his ability with all that time we spent together in Spanish speaking situations not to learn any Spanish at all. It was incredible. He felt like if you just add an O to an English word, that a Spanish speaker should be able to understand what you're saying. Have, have you ever tried that? We, we did a lot of construction projects, and so he would be working on a construction project, and he would say to one of the Spanish-speaking hosts, can you pass me a hammer O so I can pound the nail O? And if the Spanish speaker didn't understand, he thought maybe if he just talked louder and slower that they would get it. Can, can you pass me the hammer-o to pound the nail-o? How, how do you think that worked for him? You think it was helpful in overcoming the, the barriers that these language dividers can create? It, wasn't, it didn't tend to be helpful at all. But you know, the, the language barrier is, is only one of the ways, one of those partitions that can divide people from each other. There are all kinds of other differences that can generate walls that separate us from one another. And in our passage for this morning, the Apostle Paul uh, refers to a division, to a, a barrier, to a partition that existed between the Jews and Gentiles in his day. And, and that uh, division was actually embodied in the physical structure of the temple in Jerusalem. You see, the area outside of the temple building proper that was right in the, in, in the very center of the complex. It was surrounded by a series of walled areas that were called courts. And the court that was closest to the temple building itself was reserved only for religious functionaries of the Jews. They were the only ones who could go there. And then there was a, a, a wall, a divider, and the next court was the court of Israel. And that's where Jewish men were allowed for worship. And on the other side of another wall was the court of the women. And that's where Jewish women were allowed to be. And outside of another wall, down a set of steps, across another courtyard, outside of another wall, down a second set of steps, was the court of the Gentiles. 
And posted around the court of the Gentiles were a lot of signs informing them that it was punishable by death if they were to go into one of the other courts that weren't set aside for their kind. There were literally walls that divided Jews from Gentiles in the way the temple courts were arranged. Now, before we get too critical and tisk tisk tisk, those Jews who created all these barriers between them and the Gentiles, let's look at ourselves and ask ourselves how willing we are to be peacemakers, to be willing to work around, to go over, to knock down those walls that divide us from people who might not be just like us. Because I contend that it isn't just a Jewish issue, rather it's a human issue. That we tend to put up those partitions. We want to separate ourselves from people who are different. There's a young man I know named Ernesto. He's Nicaraguan. Known him for about 15 years now. I met him when he was 14 years old. Part of a, I was part of a mission team in Central America helping to rebuild after Hurricane Mitch had done a great deal of damage down there. And when I met Ernesto, this 14-year-old young man, he was the head of his household. He was caring for himself, his younger brother, the home in which they lived. He was uh, going to school. He was preparing meals. He was... Uh, involved in a ministry called Young Life where he was committed and growing in his faith in Jesus. It was a joy for me to watch Ernesto down through the years as he emerged as a leader in that ministry and he began to impact the life, lives of other young people in Nicaragua. And so I was saddened a few years ago when I heard that Ernesto had left Nicaragua illegally to make his way to Texas where his mother lived because she had been diagnosed with cancer. Ernesto literally risked his life crossing the barriers that still divide people from people. He made it, but his story is a reminder to me that those partitions, those divisions, it's not just a Jewish issue, it's our issue as well. But, but Paul says to us in the text we read this morning that that's not how it should be. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, not only was the separation that sin created between us and God knocked down, but Jesus' death and resurrection also removes all the barriers that separate us from one another. 
Jew from Greek, male from female, slave from free, Nicaraguan from North American, all those barriers that we put up to keep them out and us in, Jesus knocked all those down. There's that story in the Old Testament about the Tower of Babel that the the people got together because they wanted to be able to to reach God and they were going to build this tower to help them get there. And so God confused their languages in order that we wouldn't be so prideful, our ancestors wouldn't be so prideful as to think that we could reach God. And in the New Testament, we have the story of Pentecost in which God made the move to bring humanity back together. When on that day of Pentecost, people from all over the world heard the good news of Jesus Christ in the same, in the language that they could understand. God is bringing together those differences that would keep us apart. Jesus, you see, is the Prince of Peace. We need him to be our peace, to break down those walls that we tend to make between ourselves and others. Paul talks about how we can be a part of this peace that Jesus came to bring as the prince of peace. He gives us, he offers three different word examples in this text. Let's look first at the, at the way that Paul repeats over and over again how Jesus is our peace. It's in the middle section of the text. In verse 14, the apostle says, for he, Jesus, is our peace. Then in, in verse Um, 16, that he might reconcile both groups, Jews and Gentiles, to God in one body through the cross, thus putting death to hostility through it. So he came, Jesus came and proclaimed peace to those who were far, the Gentiles from the Jewish perspective, to those who were near the Jews themselves. He is our peace. And then in the last few verses of the passage, the apostle talks about how we can participate. We can be a part of this peace that Jesus came to bring. This breaking down of the walls that divide us. He he begins by using this Uh, image of traveling across country borders. You are no longer aliens or strangers. He wants us to know that, that in Christ we are connected. That, that God doesn't have a, a, a favorite nation or a particular country that he uh, looks after more than other countries. That the nationality that is printed on the face of our our passport isn't the most important thing. Rather, it's the connection that we have 
as followers of Jesus, that links us across those barriers, across those divisions. Whatever national divides there are, whatever language barriers we may encounter, whatever ethnic differences, whatever socioeconomic challenges, whatever the obstacle, whatever the barrier in Christ, Paul points out that we are connected. We are citizens together in the kingdom of God. And then he uses another image, a family kind of image. We are members of the household of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. This is one of my favorite biblical images for a a, a church family. It's, It's what I use in talking about my relationship here at Church of the Palms. If you look around this room, what you will see are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are connected because of what God in Jesus Christ has done for us. We are family. And what Paul says here is he invites us to lift up our eyes beyond just our local family of faith to to see the church with a capital C as God sees it, the body of Christ, universal, all across the globe. And to understand the family connections that exist there, that your family of faith is not just here. Our family of faith reaches out into all the world. You may have noticed the cover on the bulletin this morning. It doesn't look like... uh, particularly outstanding picture. A couple of skinny guys shaking hands. Um, I'm one of those skinny guys. I'm the guy with with the white skin and the sunglasses to protect my hazel eyes from the bright Nicaraguan sun. The guy with the darker skin and the dark eyes, his name is David. He's a Nicaraguan. I love this picture because it it, it sits on my desk in my office and every time I look at it, it reminds me that I've got a brother in Christ who lives in Nicaragua and I care a lot about David. I care about his wife, Ada, about his daughters, Amy and Brianna. This picture... It could have been a picture of Maxine Perry hugging Melvin and his wife, Lorena. Melvin is the director of the eye clinic in Honduras. It could have been a picture of Phil Bliss talking with Dimitri and Maria Todorov from Bulgaria. It could have been a picture of Charlie and Carol Hausner with Pastor Hytham and his family from Iraq. Because, you see, we are connected as an extended family of faith with brothers and sisters in Christ all around the globe. That's what the Apostle Paul wants us to know. And the final image that he uses, the final image that he uses is the image of a temple. 
a temple of the Lord. It makes us think of that temple in Jerusalem with all the courts that divided all the people one from the other, but this temple is different. This is a spiritual temple that Paul is talking about, and not only are we allowed to be together, we are the living stones, and we are cemented together. We are piled on top of each other to make God's spiritual house. We are all necessary together to do what God intends to do, to bring peace far and near. And so here at Church of the Palms, we don't ask, should we be doing mission over there? We don't ask, is it right that we should be taking care of needs in faraway places when there are so many needs right here? Because we don't believe it's an either-or proposition. We believe it's a both-and affirmation. We are called to be peacemakers right here in our own community. And I am deeply involved and committed to that. And we are called to be a part of proclaiming Christ's peace in places very far away. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. How will you respond? Amen.
And now as this service ends and when you go from this place, go with God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forever. Amen.